This is Kelly Carlin, and welcome to Waking from the American Dream. Uh, yeah. So maybe this just had to be the silver 
That was Adil Omar, a good friend of the program with Exploding Heart. That's his newest song uh, out of Islamabad, Pakistan. Wow. <laughs> like five more times in a row. Yeah, he's uh, fucking incredible. And uh, everyone, please go on to iTunes. You can find him on SoundCloud, uh, Adil, A-D-I-L, second word, Omar, O-M-A-R. And uh, you can also find him on iTunes, that song. And, of course, Paco Rambi, uh, Paki Rambo is also another song I play on the show a lot. Uh, welcome, everyone, to the show. Um, Logan is not in the house. I have plugged in every plug into every hole possible, <laughs> including probably some holes that didn't need plugging. But um, I, what the fuck do I know? Uh, to the best of us. Right? I know. So <laughs> I have plugged things in here. Oh, and my mic has got this ticking thing. I don't know. Logan's going to fix it all in post because that's what he does. Because, you know, he's like a thousand miles away in Washington somewhere and I'll upload everything and he will put it all back together and it'll sound all perfect. And uh, so know that silently Logan sits in the background, even if he's not here. Uh, Welcome, everyone. It is November and... uh, you wouldn't know it walking outside in Los Angeles because it's fucking 85 degrees again today. <laughs> Last week, we had 60-degree weather. It was so chilly that I actually put the heat on in my house and put an extra blanket on the bed and was so damn excited about that. Even bought a new sweater online, and it came yesterday, and I thought, <laughs> I won't be able to wear that for another two fucking weeks. So I'm hoping this is the end of the heat for the year and that we'll actually act like a fucking real season here. Um, but you know, who knows with all this weird weather, but it's good to be back on the show here. I've got a couple of weeks in a row here lined up for you guys. And, uh, and then we'll reconfigure in the new year. We'll figure all of that out. And I've got a great guest today, but I actually, before we get to Katie, um, I wrote an essay for you guys today. You know, I haven't done this all year because I've been writing other things, Uh, so, and you know, I'm still processing being done with the book. So it's a little bit about that. And, uh, so, uh, I, I'm just going to share it with you right now. Here we go. Time. 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 It has a mind of its own. So much so, sometimes I feel like I just want to bitch slap it. Just when I need it to move along at a nice, fast, decent clip, it decides to stretch out before me in a long and winding way, prompting me to utter from the backseat of my life, Are we there yet? Why can't we just be there now? In our heads, we so clearly envision an unfettered unfurling of events that take us gracefully from A to B to C to D. Take my book that I've just finished, turned in, that is now making its way through the the production process over at St. Martin's Press. If I'd had my way, it would have been done 15 years ago. It was such a simple and clear path. 1999, my goal was to do my solo show so that I could get noticed by some person, some powerful Hollywood-type person, who'd fall in love with me and my story and my writing and and maybe want to build a sitcom around me, but for sure get me my book deal and, and help me be on my way. I thought, this should take a few months. Okay, maybe six months. A year. But then... I came up against life, the friction of reality where we butt up against other forces that our mind, our ego, 
had never conjured in its safe little world of domination. I would have never thought that my dad wouldn't be anything but thrilled with my solo show. But he wasn't. He was worried, felt exposed by it. And even though he said go for it, I didn't. And then I thought, well, if he's not happy with my solo show, he's really not going to be happy with some sitcom or a book about it. And before I knew it, I found myself in grad school studying Jungian psychology. And suddenly it was eight years later, 2007, and I had a thriving creative coaching business and a whole new life. But the dream of a book came back around, tapped me on the shoulder to say, it's time. And so I reworked the material. You know, it was more about mom and I. I even got an agent, told my dad, and he said, really? I thought you were done talking about all of that with the solo show. And so I put it on a shelf. Are we there yet? Can't we just be there? No, we can't. We can't because we are here. And then a year later, my dad died. And after stumbling out from the wreckage of his death, shell-shocked, I began to reconnect to my dream, my book. And so I was so ready to go. Are we there yet? And here it is now, six years later. And I am here. So what have I learned? That it really is all the scenic route. Life is messy and filled with detours that are shaped by other people's needs and agendas, plans, thoughts, feelings, aims, demands, and dreams. It is very messy. It is politics. It's where all the competing forces and interests of life come together, and they either come together in a dance where both partners contour their rhythms, movements, and tempo to make something flow and beautiful, or it comes together inside of a death match where we decide to take a stand and know that it will be a struggle or maybe even a war and that one person may have to die, or at least say uncle. Both ways are real. Both ways are the way of life. Sometimes it's a dance and sometimes it's a war. One of the wisest things I was ever taught by a mentor was the concept of asking myself, what is needed now? It's a question you can ask in almost any moment of your life, especially helpful in those moments when it feels like the universe has just slammed the brakes on your big dreams. What is needed now? It immediately puts you in a position of curiosity, open-mindedness, and a flexible stance. It invites you to look at all that is in front of you, not just what you want. It forces you to take a real look around you at all the people, places, and things, and even time. This question is the very thing that life does in every microsecond, automatically. It's always asking, what is needed now? Now, are we there yet? Be here. Now. <laughs> Time. Sometimes it takes billions of years to make a planet inhabitable. Sometimes it takes 15 years to make a dream come true. And sometimes in the blink of an eye, with a single question, everything can change. There's never been a time There's never been a time There's never been a time 
this fucked up business. As fucked up as this. I didn't fuck it up. They, whoever they are, they fucked it up. Now it's fucked up. I can't unfuck it up. You probably can't unfuck it up. And if we're counting on them to unfuck it up, then we're all fucked. Just turn to the person next to you and ask them nicely. Did you fuck it up? Go on, ask them. How about you? Did you fuck it up? Now sit back and look at them and say, because you look like someone who could have fucked it up. Now it's fucked up. ourselves up off the floor and create a tone of camaraderie and ask, could you help unfuck it up? And then say, are you really so fucking busy you can't take one fucking minute to help unfuck it up? Then lose the righteous asshole attitude and take a breath and say, because I'm willing to pick one thing to help unfuck it up, won't you join me? Oh, that's better. Does that feel better? Yeah, I'm feeling the love. The problem is that you just can't help feeling bitter that it's fucked up to begin with. You just go round and round like this. Just, okay, back with me now. I didn't fuck it up. Let it out. Come on. You know you feel it. You probably didn't fuck it up. You don't have to believe it. Just go with it for now. But they, that's right, shift the blame. They fucked it up. Now it's fucked up. That's right. Okay. Yeah, you're clapping, but... The problem is deep down inside, you're feeling depressed and hopeless, right? You're just gonna change the world. What the hell happened? Okay, I get it. We're gonna come together for this one. I need your help. We're gonna fill this room up with love and inspiration, and it won't last past the time you leave here tonight, but everybody on this side, let's all unfuck it up. Okay, real loud and proud, let's all unfuck it up. Now you gotta keep going without me when I leave you. Here we go. Let's all unfuck it up. Doesn't that feel good? Keep it rolling. Now over here. We have a special part. It's a little repetitive, but it's fucked, 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 it's fucked. Can you do that? It's fucked, it's fucked. Okay, middle, ready? I wanna be an unfucker. I wanna be an unfucker. That's right, it's fucked, it's fucked, it's fucked, it's fucked, it's fucked. 
recognize that song if you're a listener here of the podcast (laughs) and know who my guest is today. That was Katie Goodman uh, trying to help us unfuck it up a little bit. Uh, I got to see Katie last night do a showcase at the Comedy Central space and, uh, you know, helped everyone heal a little bit from the uh, Tuesday elections by, um, you know, sitting in the uh, the position of um, you know I didn't fuck it up I don't know who did but uh, definitely someone else did um, so welcome to the show Katie Thank you. nice to have you back yeah it's nice to be back at the octagon at the octagon table <laughs> dun 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 we are here at the octagon this room this room is so great it's such an ADD room where there's so much to look at like <laughs> 1930s marijuana poster yes yes and then the Chris Bono um, uh, painting of uh, Billy Jack, which I love. I had a crush on Billy Jack. Uh, Billy Jack was one of my early weird young girl crushes. Um, I th- I look back on it now at the movie and that, and I think, what was I thinking? Really? <laughs> it's kind of awkward, but uh, yes, uh, Billy Jack was one of those ones. Um, and then you and I have half of the same bookshelf. Yes. Like oh. all the self-help Oh yeah, and behind you too. If you even <laughs> yeah, looked over I did there, look all at the, the last y- time I was here, I went through the whole all thing. the Jungian stuff yeah. and the mythology, mythology, and then I have like a little shelf of like crazy New Age shit, you yeah. know, um, like the Book of Illusions, Richard Bach, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, where yeah. he oh god, he learned to walk through walls and stuff, and I was yep. like, oh wow, I'm gonna learn to do that with my mind. Right. I'm just gonna walk through a wall. In the 20s, one yeah, was hopeful one, one would get somewhere. <laughs> We just have books. What yeah, now we just have books that every once in a while we pull. I haven't really grown that much. Yeah, no, it's funny. I don't. Do you do this too? Like, um, I have times in my life where I just so like like know that it's like every word in every book is completely bullshit. <laughs> yes. And there's like no way I would I, uh, ever need to read one again. And then suddenly I wake up one day and I'm like, oh, yes. I gotta find that other one that I read. One. I'm absolutely doing that right now. I'm in the bullshit phase. And I'm try- I desperately want something else. But I do that and I go, I completely turn away. I don't even journal. Yeah, yeah. And it's not like, I got this. I don't need it. <laughs> right. It's more like, fuck you all. You haven't helped me at all. What have I learned? And then you come out of it and you're like, oh, okay, I kind of did learn something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I you think, can't see. Yeah, I think for me sometimes it's even also just about like, we make it, we, tr- we, we think there's a solution like we think there's a formula out there, an equation or something. So we that's why I keep looking in the books yeah. thinking. Well, like you were saying, uh, it's not just one. Yeah. It's not just one voice that's going to say it. It's a big yeah. mission. Yeah. I, it's like that. I have a card that Soren, my husband, gave me. That's a picture of um, some monks, Buddhist monks, walking up a mountain. And they're picking little flowers and jewels as they're going up. And I sort of keep it by my bedside because, you know, they're ignoring other stuff. <laughs> like there's right. plenty of plants, but they're just grabbing the things that mm-hmm. are useful, which is kind of great, too, if you're like a spirituality shopper <laughs> or really, you know, and then yeah. you don't have to just stick to one fucking thing and be like, yeah, every word of this right. Bible is true. Y- yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think af- ulti- ultimately. Um, I don't even know. Where- Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I don't know where we even got the idea that we're supposed to follow one person. Like, we're, I mean, I get the guru thing and 
you know, people have had experiences where you give yourself over completely and the ego dies and blue de blue. Right. But and blue blue blue. That's the <laughs> third part of the process, the blue blue part. But um why there isn't more of a tradition of take what works, throw the rest out. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think um you know, I think part of that is is we're just I think the hard wiring of coming into the world and having to learn so much from our parents that we kind of I think we're hardwired to kind of look for the instructor around mm. us type of thing mm-hmm, maybe mm-hmm. and um yeah because challenging it's threatening yeah yeah child yeah so you're carrying that over so yeah for sure and so idea. I think you just kind of I mean I ultimately think that's what organized religion is it's like you kind of hand over your adulthood to this man in the sky and say well he'll he knows what's best mm-hmm. and it's threatening to organized religions to say well i'm not taking that part i'm still gonna drink or whatever you know yeah, i'm gonna still for sure right. or, I'm gonna... or i'm gonna listen to my own heart or yeah, yeah. my own wisdom or gee maybe take responsibility for my mm-hmm. actions instead mm-hmm. of saying well that's what the guru says or the church or whatever yeah yeah it's uh yeah, and I, I just, like, sometimes, I mean, I remember the first time I got to the place where I was like, you know what, I, maybe there isn't any solution, and it isn't just, maybe it's just being kind to myself and, mm. and to every situation mm-hmm. I come about, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, the Dalai Lama said his religion is kindness, mm-hmm. and I love that, mm-hmm. you know, because... He's good with a zinger. He <laughs> is. He is. He is good with the zinger. Yeah, no, but he he also tries to bring everyone in and not... Yeah, he's completely about inner, yeah. inner religion and t- yeah. everyone talking, and, you know, if, yeah. if only the Chinese would talk with him. Uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, but, yeah, sometimes I just think it's like, keep, keep, well, I think keep it simple, stupid is probably... Right, right. <laughs> Most days is my philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, it gets very complicated. I've had um, this weird experience, which is um, this lovely woman took 200 quotes from my book and put them into her computer. She has this um, Twitter thing called um, She Quotes Now. Uh huh. And it's great. She's trying to get women's quotes out into the world. I'm sure you're in there. It's, I mean, it's just great, great. Wow. Uh, so, lots and lots and lots of women. I mean, you know, people are dead. Women are dead. And women are now. She quotes now. Okay. And so anyway, she took 200 quotes, but they have to be short enough to be on Twitter. Right. Which yeah, I'm that... not, and I did not grow up in comedy. I came up in theater, so I am long-winded. So uh, I do, I'm not very tweety and um (laughs) and it's hilarious so she tweets these like i was just thinking about in terms of like where you're grabbing your information from i'm Mm -hmm. getting my own shit tweeted at me weird every day and for some reason this completely masochistic i'm i'm having the (laughs) notifications delivered like to my phone so mostly because now it's really funny i did actually end up writing a song about it called my um my totally shit advice oh that's great and it's about like looking at it as out of the context of you having said it. Yes. Right. And then right. But what's also really funny is there's one quote that's just being passed around and around and around, but it's in two parts. And if you only get one part of it, it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> and it's something about like, oh God, I can't even do my own quote. But it's something about like, uh, um, if something like if people, I'd said it better, but if people don't like your stuff, be your own badass self without apology. Right. So then it comes up as, don't apologize right. or be badass <laughs> self or something, you know, so it's just kind of loses it. And you're like, yeah. and, and you know, there's also that um, interesting 
out of context quoting that happens where where this is a kind of a subtle thing but it's like like when a zen master says something to you and he's like he's kind of in an enlightened space he's in a higher space and he's he's talking to your higher self right. so um you know it could it could be taken out of context and, and and it is the one and then there is something about it i've been thinking a lot about this this kind of this you know you don't care what people think about you you know like this, this is kind of like a thing that a lot of women take on because it's like we all we do is care about right. what other people yeah. think about us mm -hmm. so it's this very courageous brave empowering stance to say you know i just no i'm just no longer caring what other people think about me mm -hmm. Okay, but that's also like a sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> no morals or guilt or yes, right. for sure. But so also, you have it's to not like a... really contextualize and, it. And of course, uh, it's, uh, art has an audience by definition. Like that's right the deal. Right. You don't. I mean, uh, well, that is a longer conversation. I took an oh. entire class on aesthetics, and I was a philosophy major. So for six months, we talked about whether it was art or not if it sat in a room and wasn't being seen, which of course <laughs> it is, but. <laughs> Um, but I, you know, obviously performing arts and things, I mean, half of what our goals are to start a conversation, have a conversation and hopefully I want to grow and hear feedback. Mm -hmm. There's so many different kinds though. And there's, yeah, you know, and there's some where I think maybe the caveat to that would be don't care what the shitheads think or don't care what your father <laughs> thinks or don't care what, you know, I mean, maybe you could just like list yeah. the people who you don't want to care and, and, and then and, have over here the people you do care about. And yet then again, every once in a while, your biggest enemy has the greatest truth for you. Totally. So I feel like if it bothers you, I don't mean if it bothers you, like I, you know, women are stupid. Like it makes, shut up. right. It makes like, you feel like a piece of shit. Right. Right. No, but if it's like, Oh, that's kind of niggling in the back of my mind. Uh -huh. Like, ah, oh, crap. Dad, yeah. I totally had something. Yeah. Then it's actually, all it's doing is speaking to you about what you think anyway so it's just helping you pull it out of your own brain of like mm, you're right that's not really what I meant to say yeah yeah um, yeah it, yeah I mean that's like really the real concept of like healthy feedback is because as yeah. an artist you're hoping to create something and communicate it in a certain way and we're not completely responsible for how it lands mm -hmm. because you can't be mm -hmm. responsible for how it lands on every person but you do have an intention about it and if your intention is not getting clearly through the message that's in, that's something important to know you know like yeah. as an actor on stage you know are, are you embodying the thing that's really what the play is about or right. something like that you know and that's that's important feedback so right, that kind of right. feedback is important but you know then there's also the stance of the comedian which really for them it's like if it gets a laugh that's what is the standard you know yeah. it's like if it's funny it's funny it's also hard to tell what other emotions are going on from the audience i mean the laugh is the only thing you can really hear except god-awful silence yeah or, yeah or like yeah i get a couple in my <laughs> from mostly from the like anti-semitic joke stuff you uh -huh. know, but, but it's interesting because that so you are respond you're being molded what's the what's the study where they had the students were listening to the professor <clears throat> And every time the professor was like over on the right side of the room, they would all look very alert and watch and listen. And then he would drift sort of as he's pacing over to the left side, the other side, and they would kind of go down to your notes, not pay attention. And he like, by the end of the class was hovered <laughs> in that one corner where they're paying attention. And it was just completely subconscious too. Mm -hmm. And if, if that can happen, <clears throat> just think what a laugh is doing. You know, yeah. I mean, it's like completely impossible to yeah. separate yourself from it. Yeah, <clears throat> I think if you're hardwired for that, 
feedback loop, that constant feedback loop, especially comedians, mm-hmm. uh, you yeah. know, not getting the laugh is yeah. And huge. I grew up, I mean, I know you, I, I, as an actor for 20 years or whatever, it, you do, I spend so much time not having any clue how it went. People mm-hmm. are like, how'd the show go tonight? I don't know. <laughs> I felt good. The other actor, we had a nice time. Good drink afterwards. You know, like, like you so often, often don't know. Yes. And it's um, because the feedback vocally is so uh, hard to yeah. assess, if it's, especially if it's not a comedy. Yeah, for sure. So I got very comfortable with just saying... I don't know, felt good. I, you know, we did everything we were supposed to do. <laughs> we got to the end. Right. The curtain came down and, you know. We all took our bows. Right. And they did not leave at intermission. Right. That's kind of like, the, that's, that's the it. bar right that's there. Yeah. They came that's back they after came back. intermission. <laughs> yeah. It is true. Yeah. And, and I, you know, the more I've hung out with comedians, I really see that these guys are hardwired for needing that mm-hmm. and that's why they get up on stage three or four times a week and are and been doing it for however many years there's yeah. a an, an impulsion for it i mean i'm a person who likes to get a laugh for yeah. sure but i don't have that need to have to leave my house and get on a stage and get vulnerable yeah. uh and try to make people laugh yeah. uh four or five times a week because because it's like if i don't do it i feel dead inside or something it's, you know i don't i guess I guess I don't have, <clears throat> like, I've only been doing comedy for four years as comedy, and, mm-hmm. and I rarely do clubs. I only do one a month. It's mostly theaters yep. or, like, Planned Parenthood events. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's my gig. <laughs> the Vagina Tour of 2014 <laughs> is what I'm on right now. Um, but uh, so I, they're more, like, spaced out and bigger mm-hmm. uh, th- events in, like, a large, um, or a run mm-hmm. of something for a few weeks. And um, I absolutely have the compulsion to get up, but it doesn't have to be for the laughs. Like, I, I, that's fun. I definitely have learned to create space, even in my songs, like vamping for a couple chords mm-hmm. so that they can laugh. But that's more like, I think they feel more satisfied, you know, physically having mm-hmm. gotten out a laugh. It's not like I need to hear it. Mm. But if you cut off a laugh, it's sort of like... Oh, they can't take in the next thing so quickly. Yes, yes, it's true. So it's really tricky with music because there's fucking accompaniment. Like you just, right. especially for my raps, I have to build in and guess. A beats, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. That should be about an extra four. Yeah. You know, don't yeah. do eight. Don't yeah. do eight. <laughs> if you've got eight and it's too long, come up with something funny to say <laughs> right. in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's tricky because you anticipate it before you've ever even done it. And I have gone back after a few shows and been like, ooh, got to cut that or re- uh-huh. redo that. Uh-huh. But anyway, so so um, I think there's also the compulsion to – what is the compulsion, though? If it's not like a neurotic <laughs> need for uh, – adoration and, and laughing and stuff uh, which I also enjoy yeah well, then you know some of it's to be if you're a writer it's to be expressive and have your yeah I think that's more yeah. mine is like I feel like I need to share these yeah. thoughts that travel in my head but all even the time as an actor if it's not your words I do feel that there too I I was talking I don't know if it was you or somebody last night after my show we were talking about um how comedians I mean the thing that's so awkward for me as a now a comic or whatever I am now is that um that it's so solitary and isolated mm, yeah. and I'm that is not my core yeah. person I'm I'm absolutely like come on guys let's do the show let's put together. on a yeah, show I've been doing that since second grade uh-huh. you know and um and and the craziness that comes with that mm-hmm. of people and I've been working with broad comedy my women for 14 years some of them and it's amazing yeah it's kind of great we're doing our 15th anniversary show next week and it's 
blowing my mind that we haven't killed each other. But <laughs> well, I think actually because we've been through it and out the other side of so many. Yeah, things. yeah. But you know the the um, of working um, as a team on a show. So this is the difference I think I've figured <laughs> between comedy and acting is that in acting in a play there is some sense. And it might be small for some actors, but there is some sense that the play is more important than the individuals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in stand-up, you don't have that at all. Like it's right. just not part of the structure. Yep. Yep. So that's not a value judgment. It's just sort of how it is. So like, there's it's just fucking you. Yeah. And it's like, and it's maybe more competitive in a way because you're watching people back to back, like beauty pageant <laughs> coming yeah. out one at a time. And in theater, you're like, oh, well, of course I couldn't play the bald guy. Right. He's playing the bald guy. (laughs) You know, I'm the girl. So there's way less competition, Uh although you do want to be the one mentioned in the review. Like, it's not (laughs) not there, but it's totally different. Like, you each have a really different role. And I kind of want to see that in comedy for Mm -hmm. myself. Like, And actually, for me, I will say it is a little different because I'm doing music. So I am less compared to the other comics, which maybe I enjoy that about it because I'm not hugely competitive. That yeah, way. I don't love competition. I prefer like we could all do the show right here. Yeah, and and I think there. I mean, I think this is an interesting that happens to like women in comedy right. because right. you know a lot of these people who book comedy clubs, um, you know, if they they can book three guys, but they don't call it the man show. Right, right, right. But if, right, right, right. <laughs> but if they book three women, it's suddenly <laughs> ladies' night. You right, know, right. and if you're booked <clears throat> as the woman. You know, there's fewer slots for women, you know, and and there is I mean, um, you know, I know Joan Rivers had talked about this, that there is this level of, you know, she had to be and Phyllis Diller talked about this, too, way better than any man in order to get a shot. And and this even goes with uh, women writers in comedy rooms and in, in TV rooms is that in order to get a writing job on a comedy show as a woman, you have to be top, top, top of the class, mm-hmm. whereas a guy can be good mm-hmm. and have lots of potential and they're willing to hire him and nurture his talent. Mm-hmm. But with a woman, she's got to be the shining star. And so it leaves yeah. a lot of women who who are trying to learn their craft and hone their craft kind of out of right. the and spectrum. Right, and by the time you're good at it, you're now too old. Yeah. Like they don't maybe <laughs> yes. want... No, I mean, really. Yes. yes. By the way, Phyllis Diller is so interesting to me because <clears throat> some of the especially earlier pictures of her, uh, she was like quite attractive. Beautiful Be- woman. Beautiful. Beautiful and woman. so she did this crazy look. She did. She like uglied herself up to not <laughs> to threaten yeah. the men yeah. in the audience. So... Yeah. Sad. Fascinating. And, and yeah, and it's a really interesting, you know, as I did a piece last year um, where I played the Pope, the old Pope, the shitty Pope. Uh-huh. The Nazi Pope. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was doing a lot of Nazi salutes. And stuff. I mean, it was really, really fun, but it is absolutely the most unattractive picture of me like I have ever, ever seen. And I was a little bit like, oh, wow, this will be so interesting if this gets more likes than the kind of hoochie picture from mm-hmm. this other thing. You know, it's kind mm-hmm. of interesting. A little. But no, I think that's really interesting about her. And Joan River, well, anyway, it's... It's so complicated and it's yeah. changing so much. But yeah, I mean, I do not see women at clubs. And I ask my friends who go to who work clubs much more than I do. Yeah, and the women are like, I'm the only woman of the night always. Yeah, and the guys are like, even at the best clubs, I mean, at all at the whole range, it is maybe three percent, five percent. I mean, the number is so low, and yeah. it's not like 
I mean, it's like compared to the number of firefighters that are women. Right. It's the same thing. It's right. not like, oh, well, you know, the House of Representatives now has, right. what is it, 17% of the Senate, right. 25 whatever. Right, right. You know, it's not anywhere near like that. Yeah. And <clears throat> so much of it, I mean, I've had, I've actually had a really interesting conversation with Caroline uh, Hirsch about it too, mm-hmm. but, you know, because she's constantly offering She's amazing with yes. for women. She's constantly she, on She her helped us out with the George Carlin yeah, thing. Yeah. She's a, the most lovely, generous she's woman. Yeah, and I just did my show there last week. And I, she was just, oh, she's been great to me for years and years. But anyway, but so I've been trying to sort of suss out how much of it is the women mm-hmm. not wanting to do it for whatever reason. I mean, like it's right. scary, an audience full of men, maybe. And it's, it's a lonely lifestyle. It's an alone yeah. traveling, alone. Shipping. Yeah. Yeah. It's maybe a little bit dangerous coming home on the train at yeah. midnight. I mean, there's a lot of those yeah. reasons. And then all of us want to say, no, fuck, it's not our fault. And I agree with that, too. Right. You know, so <clears throat> some of it is uh, and people are not. Um, making an effort like Caroline does, or and, and again, I really don't know the New York yeah. comedy scene. I know the theater scene nationally much better, but there. Um, but the but the sense is, um, my sense is, there are a lot of funny women. But you know, you know, it's like that. Um, uh, uh, what's the expression? You start from so far behind, right? So you're in like sixth grade, and you're not. Um, mm-hmm. You don't get the boys if you're funny and snarky and sarcastic, or whatever. Right. If you're straight, right. <laughs> That's maybe why lesbian comics do better. Um, and then you come out of the gate already behind. Like, I, my whole family will tell you I was not particularly funny till I was 30. Uh-huh. I mean, really. Like, I didn't try. Right. Really. I was an actor. I was a singer. And... Um, yeah, I think, you know, it is interesting. I think in junior high and high school, you either are the funny girl or right. the sexy girl. Yeah. I think it's a choice you make. And I was the funny tomboy girl. I wasn't yeah. the sexy girl. I wasn't One... actually either. <laughs> That's a little bit of a loser. <laughs> okay, and then there's also the loser girl, I should girl, have I guess. taken up the funny back <laughs> right. then because I would probably be a lot further in my career. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I always hung out with the fuck up funny guys. You know, yeah. that was my thing. And I got all their jokes and I, you know, would, you know, pitch in my own. And um, so that was always my crowd, you yeah. know. Um <laughs> But no, I had I, no it, boobs, frizzy hair. Yeah, no, I yeah. had, yeah, yeah, no, mo- yeah, all that too, all that too. Yeah. But I didn't learn, so I guess I, I don't think that, I mean, I, we could talk about this over and over. The girls are not encouraged to be funny. I teach improv now to kids sometimes, mm-hmm. and um, uh, I have a summer theater camp, and uh, we have like 250 kids, and it's half girls and half boys. And the girls in our camp are fucking brilliant they're so smart and funny and it's partially because my staff is like we are on it we're right. like get up there encouraging Sheila, go right. yeah yeah right. and they see the other girls do it they see us do it uh-huh. um uh-huh. permission and it is like permission totally totally nurture yeah not nature at yeah all. although sometimes they are trying to figure out a little bit like you can even see it in middle school like what do girls say versus what do boys say like what characters are they playing it's interesting and, mm-hmm. and it's a little limited too there's certain things that are not well, as funny for women to say victim-y stuff yeah, sometimes. Yeah, and or even to be raunchy. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, a guy yeah. can get up there and be raunchy, and a girl well, does. These are middle little kids. I don't encourage that generally. <laughs> no, I mean not in a, not in your official capacity. I'm talking about the kids when they're out on the playground, right, right, even. Right. But you know, um, that was always a risk for me to be the one who the mm. girl who says fuck. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because you're then kind of you're there's some sort of inherent judgment about you know you're you're one of those women you know which then you now you have this weird 
reputation of not being a lady. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. something about unladylike in yeah. comedy, maybe. I yeah. don't I don't know. I mean, that's why Joan Rivers was so fascinating because she wore the pearls and the dress and she yeah. really you know, she went the kind of ladylike way, you yeah, know, for her, yeah. for her persona. <laughs> um, but there's something I mean, that's why people I think get so offended by Amy Schumer and Sarah Silverman and stuff yeah. because they're like, well, they're not being very ladylike. Right, right, right. Well, I think I actually play with that a little bit too because I um, have a big black grand piano mm-hmm. and um, you know, I, I get a little quaffed mm-hmm. um, as mm-hmm. opposed to like Sarah and what she describes as, what did she say, middle school boy <laughs> yeah. style? I love yeah. her. She's so cute. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's fun to mm-hmm. juxtapose those. Yes. For me, it works. Yes. Um, I think better than if I were just to schlump on but my actually it's my my ground she will not be listening to this podcast my great aunt my 95 year old aunt who i grew up with she's the one who taught me swearing i mean i swear to god like it, she I was a it. badass back yeah. then and not <clears throat> i mean it was just sort of like a jewy liberal household it wasn't <laughs> like she was a comedian or an outrageous feminist at all right, she was right. also a homemaker and all this stuff you right. know so um uh, but I, you know, but I, I think you're. I definitely felt, partially because of my mom being mm. such an outspoken writer. I think I felt like it was okay to speak up. I never had. I've lucked out. I never had that like you can't speak up thing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Definitely, I'm doing a feminist column on stage. Essentially, I'm doing what my mom did, but like a right. So but that in- was that. That was easy for me. So you know, I want to be able to pass that on. <laughs> for those who it's who can't yeah who don't have that permission yeah 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 that's it is so speaking of um feminism what do you what are what are your thoughts about all of this seemingly sudden discussion in comedy about uh women and they're being too sensitive and pc and rape culture oh. and trigger warnings and yeah, yeah. uh and how this you know this kind of this has been, been these big clashes mm-hmm. between feminists and and edgy comics yeah. and um and people worrying about the pc police and all that it's stuff. interesting because so much going so much is going on at the same time actually in the quote-unquote real world like the gamer yes and yeah Boko Haram. I mean, yeah. just like real shit be going down. And then, yeah. The, yeah. so it's like, well, we're all on the edge. I actually, I mean, it's not, you know, it's impossible to know if it, is it worse than it was. Yeah. I don't fucking know. I, yeah, I don't. But I think people are just speaking up more well, about so it. So we're Twitter. <laughs> right. You know, like following. I, I, yeah. And then we're, I think there's a we bit. know what's going on. Yeah. I, yeah. I think there's a combination of things. I think yeah. you're right about the cultural thing. I think there's a new conversation going on in the culture about this. And I think social media has become a everyone's hearing what everyone's saying because it's everyone's got a soapbox. And at the same time, Mm -hmm. everyone who wants to be outraged is going to let you know they're outraged. Right, 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 right. And you're not um, and you feel anonymous, blah, blah, blah. So you're not withholding it. Or like if you got two people in front of each other who disagreed on something, it would be a much different conversation. Very different tone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And that's kind of shitty. Yeah. I feel like that is not a good direction. We have gone as a culture. I agree. I'm probably not the first person to say that. Yeah. But it really bums me out. And I, I, um, I pull out of the whole, I pull out of listening a Mm. lot. Mm. I do more like, once a week news magazines lately I've been just like which sucks too because for comedy like I have got to stay on top of stuff and I feel 
totally overwhelmed by that and unable to. Yeah. Um, so I've started writing more bigger issues as opposed to. I think this is I think this is the really interesting choice point here for people because I've I just wrote a uh, two days ago on Facebook about how I'm just really sick and tired of feeling like the outrage button is being pushed all the time. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I literally wanted to say like, so what's the outrage of the hour, mm -hmm. you know? And then I went on yesterday and Artie Lang had said, he tweeted something really stupid and then he came on and apologized. And then of course some other outrage happened and it was like, and I too, I'm like a person who likes to just stand back always and look at the big picture. I'm yeah. always fascinated by, by the big too. picture. Me too, I am too, yeah. Yeah, and I'd well, much rather... That's the life coaching part too, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and job. the philosopher, I think yeah. it's just our, I think we're both natural philosophers. It's, yeah. it's what yeah. we're interested in. And, um, and it's, you know, it's an important perspective. It's as important as the person who's reacting moment yeah. to moment to yeah. the to headline news Plus i want my songs to last more than a month <laughs> they're doing yes. so much work <laughs> yes and some fucking peace of mind you yeah. know yeah. when you're up on yeah. the mountaintop with the big yeah. view there's a lot more peace of mind and i get i mean i i get really depressed by the news too which makes you unable to work that's yeah. not helpful so pull, you know pulling back is yeah, it's a defense mechanism yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I grew up in a newspaper household, mm -hmm. and I think part of it, I will admit too, part of it is I also feel like I just can't keep up. No. I mean, just I feel inadequate that I can't keep the, up. Well, with what's it, going on. Well, and the thing is, is that you actually the sad thing is, is you have to say that sentence that it's like <laughs> that you feel slightly bad that you can't keep up. But guess what? It's probably not healthy to try to fucking keep up. You know, unless mm -hmm. you are working on, you know, at some political blog yes, yeah. and that's what your job is and right. you are a journalist online right right you know is or the, even at the daily show like i always thought god hmm. i'd love that a job like that and i was like Oy, can you imagine can I how do it? i have to figure out how to do it in a way i could do it yeah that you kind of have to kind of compartmentalize mm -hmm. or something like that yeah or you become the big picture person because as you said mm -hmm. each you you need that in every kind of art <laughs> i mean yeah because oh. hopefully that is actually what we're all talking about like even when we are nitpicking on little things yes yes um because ultimately i mean has i mean things have changed in the world in the last 100 200 thousand years a little bit right but not a <laughs> not lot, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean we still have humans involved that's the problem <laughs> yeah so we're yeah. you know the, the the big conversations yeah. are still really yeah. ripe to be had yeah. you know but you were asking more specifically i didn't mean to skirt it but like you were like things like sarah's um uh trans penis what was the thing where she's on the she's sitting on the table and everybody got really upset the trans community got upset because she was talking she was sorry god i'm so bad at pulling back details <clears throat> so she was saying that i'm gonna have a uh, i want i would like a penis so that i make my extra 28 percent right income or whatever right cute piece totally nicely done um and then a lot of people were really offended by it it was interesting because i'm actually really you know involved in uh, uh lgbtq qrsc uh issues but i um was uh um the first thing i thought because that was so obvious what the joke was right that I didn't get offended for the trans community. I, what I got a little freaked out by was because she was saying, I think I'll have my breasts removed next. And I've 
been sort of paying, doing a lot of uh, cancer fundraising, breast mm-hmm. cancer fundraising. And mm-hmm. I was like, ooh. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting. It's just whatever the hell is on yeah. your mind. <laughs> but you have to sit back and go, okay, 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 okay. That's not what we're doing right now. We're trying to make, and like to have us all fighting with each other. Right. Because um, what was the aim of her joke? The aim of right? her joke is at the patriarchy. Right. And it's at this you know, inequality, it, right. it's not, it's not saying, oh, it's as easy as getting a P, you know, it's like no. people and have that thought, but do- sorry, <laughs> yeah, no, have the thought, but come on, don't fuck each other over publicly about it. I mean, it's a little bit like the black community, you know, killing each other because what's happening is the white patriarchy is fucking them over, but they don't have any power to deal with that. So they're taking it out on each other. I mean, it's yeah. just awful. It's yeah. like, it, how can we the in- all support the infighting always, uh, and why um, don't we see that? That's what I like. I really don't fight back with women. Yeah. If they, um, and I've gotten attacked a little bit here and there on some stuff, and and it's like I I deescalate. Mm-hmm. That's because I'm a parent. I've tried. <laughs> That's the only skill I have learned whatsoever in eleven years. Deescalate. <laughs> but um, and and whatever. It's because I'm also uh, try to practice Buddhism, but like. And it's not not fighting because I'm scared of fighting. Right. It's because like, wait, what is what's the point, people? What are we doing, guys? Right. Well, like, it, yeah, it becomes ego. Right. Dick swinging, even if you're a woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Labial swinging. Yeah. yeah, labial ovary tossing. Uh, <laughs> fallopian tubing. Uh, I don't know why labial swinging is any grosser to me than dick swinging. <laughs> Just you don't see it or picture it. Yeah, as often. that's uh, that's a uh, it's yeah that's a uh, that's an old labia. <laughs> uh. There's a picture for you There's people a, out there. there. Aren't you happy we talked about that? And thank you for joining us today. We'll be leaving you with that. Yeah, I um, yeah, the you know, I mean, it's 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 the old joke, but it's so true. I mean, the right at Stella, um, she's, she's so cute. There's must be. Labor it's very cute, Stella. She's this little Jack Russell, and I'm pretty sure some fire trucks are going by, and oh. she's decided <laughs> that um, the pack is clearly needs to be told Aww, that she's here and that she's ready she's to so back cute. them up if they need her. <laughs> and she's all of maybe 14 pounds. She's so cute. Um, but yeah, it's this thing about, um, you know, because there's so much diversity, there's so such a recognition and respect of diversity on the left mm. in general. So many voices are willing to be heard and seen, which I think then invites everyone to feel like they have to get on the soapbox yeah. all the time, even if it's with each other. Yeah. You know, if you've ever so, been to a, com- a community meeting yeah. <laughs> or a public radio <laughs> community board meeting where everyone has to talk about their feelings. Right, right. That was the 90s. I did run a women's theater in the 90s. Yeah. That was with non- everyone, non-hierarchical. Every, yes, everyone. It was... It was great for six months, and then it tanked. Yes. And then they made me executive director, and I was like, okay, benevolent dictator. And then it was fine for five years. Right, because leadership actually does do something. No, and everybody wants that at some point. I mean, just me. (laughs) No, 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 it's true. But you know what? I think the other thing, I don't know if this is what you were thinking of, too, but the um, young... And it's generally young, uh, lovely uh, actresses who are talking about I'm not a feminist, mm-hmm. that whole thing. Mm-hmm. So I wrote a song mm-hmm. that I'm almost done with uh, called, uh, Yeah, Babe, You're a Feminist. And it's all about like why they're saying that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and what, and, and they're just 
utter lack of perspective. Not only of like, because they didn't live through the whatever, 60s, right. 70s, 80s. Right. And even 90s when God. we were actually angry at men and now we're a lot less angry maybe. Yeah. Sort of. Um, or at least we're including men in the discussion now. And um, But so they don't have perspective historically. Right. Fine. I can totally sure. say I understand that. But what kind of pisses me off too is if like in um uh where pick your country you mm-hmm. know where the women are being stoned or horrible horrible things right and they have an actual like can party called the feminist party right or they use the word feminista like they use that word so strongly and beautifully to express things the shit that's going down there that is so much worse than these right. women it's, are dealing with. Right. You're like, just out of fucking international respect, <laughs> use the word feminist. Right. You know what I mean? It right. is just disgusting yeah. to me. I got a little feisty there. It's just <laughs> disgusting to me that they don't have that perspective, that they're just looking at it as, well, I don't hate men, so I'm not a feminist. Right. Like, oh, like that's God. the definition or something. Oh my God, because and what's so, so fascinating that. about that is that if that's the definition, then who are you letting define the word? Right, right, the right. people you're letting <laughs> define the word are the people who are most threatened by it, yeah, yeah. who say it's just about man hating, which it's really actually the complete opposite. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just, yeah. Yeah, that is, I, I do, I roll my eyes at those people. I, and I just, I also think what's, um, what the, this is, I tried to put this in the song too, but it's hard to get all this shit in here and rhyme. <laughs> um, <laughs> With a beat and a tune. Um, that's why all my songs like stop in the middle and then I yell something and then they start up again. I'm like, oh, that's such a crutch, Katie. Get it, rhyme it, bitch. Um, but they, uh, they also, uh, the thing I love, there's one thing I love about them saying that, which is they feel not quite as bad as we did, right? So things are going a lot better for them right. than it did. Right. They're years they're ago. trying to define their own space. Right. No, but I mean literally they're getting hired more. Oh. They're breaking glass ceilings left right. and right. Hillary's right. running for president. Like they're like, things aren't so bad. Right, right. Maybe. So why should we be all uppity about right. the feminist Which thing? Which is awesome. Except it's not totally true. Right. And there's so much further to go and they don't appreciate from where whence we cometh. So they're not yeah. actually fighting Anyway. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it is. Rah, 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 rah. No, no, no. It's. it's oh, I'm going to start howling with your dog. Stella <laughs> will harmonize with you. Uh, <clears throat> there is something about, which is funny, you know, when you get to be <clears throat> middle aged. Uh, you have been on the planet for a number of decades, enough decades that th- you've seen like things shift and change back and forth and forth and back. And, and there is a perspective, you know, th- it is like this free speech thing. In, in, you know, in comedy, these two spectrums, what's been happening is like there's the people that are like, as long as its intention is funny and it's comedy, uh, you as the comedian have the right to say whatever you want, mm. you know, and <clears throat> your job is not to care if people get offended or not. And right. and that's, you know, I call that kind of the First Amendment absolutist position. <laughs> and then there are people are like, yeah, that's fine. But some people think they're using edgy comedy and they're just being douchebags right. to, to do it. And and I think the people that are more of the absolutists are the people who were alive or who were coming of age and remembered when people uh, got arrested for yeah, by yeah, the government yeah. for saying things about religion. I mean, Lenny Bruce and Lenny stuff Bruce like that and my dad that, yeah. and, you know, and or saying dirty words. Yeah. And um, and so it's like, you know what, that 
we've been on that slope yeah. and it's a slippery slope. So, um, you know, and so I, so I think there is even with the, I think there's a generational thing. So I think it's important that all like, especially women, like I really want to like create some kind of space where you can get 20 somethings all the way through like 80 somethings together, you mm-hmm. know, like the whole spectrum so that people, multi-generational women can get together and really, you know, the, 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 the old can learn from the young and the young can learn from the old and that there's a real conversation going on and we can see where we all connect, Yeah, yeah. you know, that <clears throat> each of our generations and our decades kind of have their own needs and plans for where right. they are in their life. And we're just as bad. I mean, I just did a demonstration of giving shit to the younger generation. I mean, we're just as bad at giving, telling right. them they don't know anything right. and not listening to them right. as they are of us, too. Right. So I'll, I'll be there. Okay. When, when's that? Good. <laughs> <laughs> now I have to do it. <laughs> you heard it here. You did hear it here first. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. So where do we want to go now? Where do we want to go now? You know, I was thinking, uh, yeah. Oh, from your essay? Mm-hmm. Was, first mm-hmm. of all, I wanted to say that song in the beginning rocked. And there was this little tiny thing in there that I, of course, I'm so predictable, pulled out when he said, and I asked God for something and she sent me you. Mm-hmm. I was like, thank you. Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, Adil is a feminist. Uh, yeah. But I can't wait until there's a day where we don't notice that. Yeah. Like, it's just, you don't even notice that, whatever version of that. That's great. Yeah. It's like, hmm. Yeah. It's just. And my son actually is already like that, partially because he lives in Park Slope. I was going to say, he's a Park Slope child. <laughs> but partially because um, he is this generation and they're watching these kick-ass girls on TV. The kids' shows are yep. really good. Yeah, my, I, I mean... Yeah. And there's a lot of strong I young... I watch them. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. And there's... Uh, and there's and he'll call me out. He's like, Mom, that was really sexist. I mean, he doesn't have the nuance to know, like, why I did the joke. But mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it's it's awesome. That's very sweet. And also, um, uh, uh, not homophobic. I don't, I don't think I told you the story where he was, like, in the playground with his um, best friend. They were wrestling. This is so Park Slope, which I guess is, <laughs> if people don't know Brooklyn that part, it's just very liberal helicopter parents. Yeah. Silver Lake. Okay. So... <laughs> and they were like wrestling and some other boys are standing by. This is Lester, so fifth graders, other boys standing by and they go, what are you guys, gay? And my son, to his credit, growing up in a family with many uh, gay partners, said, so? Instead of <laughs> like no or anything uh-huh. else or wow. even, not even saying no, but right. he just said so, like he didn't even deny it. Right, he's, like it, he's uber hetero. I mean, that's the thing. It's sort of disappointing. I'm like, couldn't some kids who are gay be born into a family that would be fine with it? And he's just like, sort of, or like, oh, he likes girls. All right, well, <laughs> boring. So anyway, so then here's the best part of this story is that those little fifth grade <laughs> liberal boys who have been raised by all these liberal parents who have just like a touch of, of homophobia learned through the culture or whatever, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then go, oh, right, well, no, there's nothing wrong with that. Like they backpedal <laughs> massively because they know like, A, it's not okay. And they also kind of believe it's, it's, it's uh, to not be homosexual. I mean, to right. not be homophobic. It was so cute. They just were like, oh, yeah, no, no, there's nothing wrong with that. So I thought that that whole story, that whole picture was like a really nice, like, segue from our upbringing years, moving through 70s, 90s, and now, and it's like their kids maybe will just like bust even past that. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's, it is really cool that I I think this is the, the fun part about 
whatever that generate millennials or whatever, or you know, even like the he's twenty. He's younger, so I don't even young, know what they're called. Yeah, I don't even know what they're called. Them those ones. So like spoiled. No, I don't know. <laughs> millennials and younger though. It's just like these issues aren't even like they don't even see color. They don't yeah. see difference. They just it's just like a human is a human, and it's like yeah. Although wow. that is up until a certain age, and then they're just inundated by culture, right? right? So right. now we're talking about, I mean, he's walking, watching Blackish with me, and he's totally fascinated by it, mm-hmm. as am I. Um, and we, you know, we talk about, like, I, you know, I, I, t- I try to take him to see some stuff about these issues, too. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we're in New York, we live down the street from Bill de Blasio, mm-hmm. you know, so, so totally mixed race couple family, yep. and yeah. that is completely normalized in his school. But um, we also are one of our sets of best friends, a family of four. The dad is an Africanist, meaning he's a professor of everything Africa mm-hmm. <laughs> and historical. Mm-hmm. And so he's always, he takes his kids to these really cool, like young man coming of age kind of cool things. Uh-huh. I don't actually know much about it, but <laughs> right? and I'm not allowed in anyway. <laughs> but um, so Logan, you know, spends time, my little white son spends time, like hearing these things. Uh-huh. And he's just like totally fascinating. So like not colorblind anymore at all, but right. was till about five or six. And then just the culture hit shit at the fan. But it's, but now it's like, it's so rich and interesting. Yeah. And you can just see they have no like instinctive, um, ne- the stereotypes are all like so complicatedly thought out. Right. You know, so if they talk about stuff, it's always with like, well, I had this one experience or like, I mean, they just know right. to make it complex. Right. And to have a conversation. Right. Right. They don't broad stroke yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. It's really cool. Yeah. It's a nice time to, you know, and they're going to grow up. Those black kids are going to grow up and be like, what's the problem? Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> like the young feminists are like, what's the problem? Right. Exactly. <laughs> and Why are you making great. a fuss about it? Right. Yeah. Right. It's great. Except for the ones who are still suffering, <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like tons of women and poverty. Yeah. yeah. Blah, blah. And that big pile, <sighs> that big pile over there, that stuff. Play with your dog. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> and, 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 uh. Yeah, <laughs> go play with your dog. <laughs> go play with yourself or go play with your dog. You'll feel better. <laughs> but you know what's fun? nice? I will say I have had a year in which of all my interviews, it has been free of the question, are women funny? Yeah, and I so just... i fucking sick of that question. I assume so. I assume women and, are funny because yeah. I'm a woman and I'm <laughs> funny. So, But um, I cannot tell you yeah. how many times I've been asked that question yeah, and it seems like <laughs> what's so funny about it is, ever, you know, ever since that all started with, you know, Christopher Hitchin and all of that and this big conversation and, you know, and maybe that's part of it, too, is like women were like, fuck you, not only funny, but we're not fucking taking your bad jokes anymore about mm. things about us or something. I don't yeah. know. Maybe that's where it kind of all started, this backlash. But um, it's 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 like the wrong question to it's be just answering. It's most boring it's, Yeah, it's just a... It's like a really lazy question almost, you know? I think it's just trying to be provocative. Yeah, I think really, it's th- lazy, that's what right? I mean. It's they a don't lazy, have else yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a provocative, it's a lazy yeah. provocative question because yeah. it's like, it's an interest, I mean, it's a converse, it's, par- it's not part of a conversation, but it is, there's conversation inside of all of that, yeah. you know, but yeah. it's, it's not really what it's not the question to be no no it's it's be like you know 
are are women mammals? I mean, or I don't know. It's something like that. It's just like a weird thing. I mean, then you, you'd have to go into like, well, what's the construction of funny? Is is patriarchy necessarily the the power of patriarchy? We actually make you the funny person. I mean, it's like yeah. you'd have well, to go like into that any time in comedy. Like if you are watching TV, yeah. Even I mean, like, come on. I mean, that's actually the place where I think it is maybe the most egalitarian I, i'm i'm slowly talking uh, right my ass here, right but, now i think yeah, yeah. i think it's fa- fascinating how women are doing well in comedy and yeah. women over 40 yeah which yeah particularly pleased about yeah yeah it's it's a really it's a golden age for for yeah. for you know funny and and vulnerable comedy too mm-hmm, i mean i think mm-hmm. that's the most exciting for someone like yeah. me who i'm not a laugh a minute type of writer or type of person mm. i don't have that personality or need or, or don't operate that way and yeah. i'm much more interested in vulnerable real and life comedy you commented to me about that last night on my show how you were glad to see one so, so we i added this song in that i don't usually do which is totally not funny at all yeah not trying to be. and you said you were what did you say you were hoping you would get i was to see? i was yeah i was watching the whole show and because a lot of your stuff is it's you know it's broad it's these big broad strokes right. which are great you know because you're talking about milf for this you know and these great big subjects and it's and it's you know and it's written in a really fun way but there's not a lot of moments for you to be just Katie with the mask off you know you're you're vulnerable yeah there's a vault there's a vault and I was going god I really want to speak because I knew it was a showcase for you Mm -hmm. too and I'm like that's I want to see the vulnerability part because Mm -hmm. you know I knew there was a lot of different people industry people in the audience and it's like you know if you're there to get a show you know formed around you or something like that then yeah that's you know and that it's so funny that you said that so I've been thinking about that since last night because first of all I want to keep that song in there and figure out a way to make it actually fit in a little bit more Mm because it's just pulled from something else but you all but I but as an actor for 15 years see there's a really big difference between being vulnerable I think as a comic yes and as an actor because especially if you're writing your own material it's self-deprecating, maybe passes as vulnerable, but that is very a small chunk. Yes, I, I think in stand-up <laughs> comedy, it's there really is no moment of vulnerability as a stand-up because I think your position as a stand-up is very, mm. um, it, like you said, it can be self-deprecating and the humor mm-hmm. can be about you, but that mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean you're willing to be fully exposed on a stage or in some fail. fail well nobody wants to fail in a play either right. I'm not sure what but it's like storytelling that's why I always gravitated towards the storytelling world because I could I could be funny yeah. I could be snarky and I could create a moment where we dip below the line and there's a real human vulnerability yeah. moment that shows up where I have come apart or mm-hmm. some part of me has and I'm challenging the audience to take their mask off in that moment too. Yeah. And for me, that's like that's my addiction. My addiction isn't to go on stage and get laughs. My addiction is to go on stage and to get people to feel vulnerable mm-hmm. in the audience, to feel safe enough to feel vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a powerful experience for an audience. Right. That's why I like storytelling. And I think, yeah. um, I think that's what was so great about that serious piece last night was that it it was that because it was had the story around it and you were playing a character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that and so your vulnerability as an actor you showed up and it was like oh look there she is good 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 and it's also i mean it's obviously you pull all this stuff from mm-hmm. your own life yeah for sure <laughs> like for a, sure yeah a, even if it's not your own words um it's interesting too because the most vulnerable thing that you can do is try something and 
fuck it up or fail. Oh, and God, come, yes. But then the whole goal is to come out of it and pull it out. Right. Like, as if you're not worried. Right. So then, in a way, it's the opposite of vulnerable. <laughs> like, you <laughs> are still trying to look good. Yeah. In everything. The most vulnerable um, things, I also as a, a director that I've asked my actors to do, was, like, physical things where they went so over the top. And I was like, just can you just trust me? Mm-hmm. And a couple of times... It didn't work. Mm. They shouldn't have, t- not that they shouldn't have trusted <laughs> me, but we tried something. Yeah. And it was like, whoa, that freaked the shit out of the audience. Right. That was just too much. And I would apologize and be like, thank you for trying that. I really wanted to know what would happen. And on another night, it might have been a different response, but, or they yeah. might have done it slightly differently, you know, but um, those are, but you know what's so great about that? That's the, that's the shit right there. It's yeah. like being, A, being willing to try that coming up with it as a collaborative experience um and and as a comic collaborating with the audience on that and then mm-hmm. and then just and then deciding whether you're gonna you know what, we're gonna keep trying this fucking crazy thing yeah or that didn't serve the play yeah let's pull that out yeah yeah <laughs> that's yeah. just gonna make people like not be able to move on <laughs> but I, I think that's the joy of the creative process right. too right. is that you don't know what's gonna work until right. it's in front of a, a real audience right. you just can't know that exactly. And, and so that is the, as a human, that's like the vulnerable part. Being right. an artist is like, oh shit, I don't know. Right. And I know for me, like my terror of being on stage and my stage fright was always about um, not looking, not being, doing the job perfect, like forgetting lines. Mm. Usually it has to do with around it's forgetting lines. lines. Yeah. And so. Why is that? I'm sorry to interrupt, but like, do you have any insight to like. We both improvise, so what the fuck's the problem? And and why does that scare And me the so audience much? doesn't know that you don't know what's right. going I've on. Right, I improvised a, a <laughs> verse of a song and yeah. rhymed it, yeah. like uh, to pull myself out. Yeah, but I am so terrified of forgetting. Yeah, and I th- I think for me it has to do with like, um, I, the world would not see me as a serious performer if I forget my lines. Like, there's uh-huh. something in that. Like, I'm I'm not. I really shouldn't be in the club. You re- oh, you're actually an Kelly. amateur. You really shouldn't be in the club, kind <laughs> well, of a thing. That's not true. But the but the greatest moments that have happened yeah. in the last three years when I do my show and I forget a moment, yeah. and I've learned how to do this now, so I have less fear. Which is, I look at the audience and I'll I, so, like whatever it is. I'll one day I like I didn't realize where I was and I looked at the audience. And I said, "Now what decade am I in?" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh yeah, right, eighties." Da, da, da. Oh right, da, da. oh okay. Let me just back up and I'm like, "Yeah, that's cute." Though. And I started over, yeah. and the audience just like, adored me mm-hmm. in that moment because it was like vulnerable <gasps> too. Yeah, yeah human yeah, yeah. showed human. up on stage, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. all an audience wants to really see is yeah. the human up there because they need that reflected back to them. Right, right, that's the whole right, experience. Right, so, right. I've actually found out that my most terrifying moment is actually adorable. <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> the only time the um the times i feel the most uh scared are not the times that the audience is most uncomfortable the oddly the audience is the most com- uncomfortable i found when i flub um chords or words because i think they think i'm going to do it again so they're like worried for mm-hmm. me if i like totally lose my place mm-hmm. in the chords and i'm just playing something random mm-hmm. um but they can kind of tell i think then they're like yeah, because they also they've had that experience some point in their life of some version of that, and they get nervous. Yeah, but it's not like what you just said is perfect. Um, 
They're I think not nervous with that. Yeah, but, they're with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> and you make it transparent enough. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it, I think you're so right. I think the audience yeah. does worry about you in that moment if yeah. you're acting like, oh shit, you know, or whatever. But if you're like, oh, I got this. I fucked up this one, but I got this now. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, okay, she's got it. Okay, yeah, it's just fine. I don't have to, I don't have to take care of her anymore. I of course have the perfect out, which I get to say, oh, I fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> so but you can only use that once in a show yeah is the problem yeah, totally <laughs> i fucked it up again doesn't really play <laughs> I, you said last night that um unfuck or un, I, unfuck it up unfuck it up is in the urban dictionary, urban dictionary now attributed Under- to me and oh my god that's so cool <laughs> that is one of the coolest things ever katie I, I was very excited about that my mother made up a word that is now in oxford dictionary oh and nobody knows that she made it up. It's wifty. Wifty. When somebody's sort of flighty or something like that. Oh, wow. Being very wifty. Huh. So she just said it in enough columns and all of a sudden it's Oxford. In... <laughs> wow. <laughs> that will be her legacy. You know, actually, <laughs> I think the Goodmans in general are, are, are word designer people. <laughs> they come from a long line of word maker uppers. I, I need to get on another one that I can you know, tell my child. <laughs> Actually, I think he probably knows that one by now, though he does, just for the record, does not watch our videos. What was your conversation around language with, with your son and using it? What he's allowed to say. Or uh-huh. not. And <laughs> so where? Yeah. He's pretty much not allowed to say, I mean, he's 12 now, so we, we're right on that cusp, yes. right? So like some stuff's starting to be okay. He doesn't really swear or say anything in front of us. He does with his friends a little bit, but it's like a big scandalous deal. Mm-hmm. And then the rule was like when it was back in the day when it was the word crap, we were starting to allow him to use. That yes. was a big move. Yes. <laughs> we were like, not in front of teachers or grandparents. Yes. That was the boundary. Yeah. That's, um, yeah. But, you know, he, he's, we really, I people are... Uh, totally think we let him watch our stuff. Now, I have let him watch. Um, I didn't fuck it up because I was like, okay, it's one bad word over and over and over again, but it's an important... Yeah. It seems like it's like a song that means something, yeah. right? But like, I'm not going to let him watch MILF. That's just fucking creepy. Yeah. Like, you don't let your kid... Because you don't want to be... Sexualize your parent. <laughs> yeah, Ew. That's, that's totally Or weird. like even um our song, um the Tea Party spoof, I Ain't Funding That Shit. Uh-huh. I mean, there's a line, I will fuck science in the ass, which means I have <laughs> yeah, to explain a lot of things I'm not ready <laughs> to explain. <laughs> so we kind of... That one we're holding off on for a while. <laughs> uh, but the problem's going to be his friends, his little friends are going to see stuff. Yeah. You before know, he has. Okay. So, here. so I was like, look, if your friends have seen stuff, tell them not to tell you or show you. Just come home and watch it together and yeah. I'll explain everything. And, you know, I horrifying. started watching my dad at, you know, age. He was uh, 1971. I was eight years old. You know, he started doing the seven dirty words. I mean, listening to your dad at eight, yeah. eight as well. So, you know, and the rule. That's probably actually where I actually learned it now that I think about it with my dad. See, see. <laughs> and the rule was at my house, too, was, you know, not at school. Or right. not in front of teachers. Yeah. Um, not at other kids' house in yeah. front of other parents. Were you allowed to swear at home, though, at that age? Uh, I could use certain words. I mean, I couldn't use them against, you know, there was a real thing my dad always taught me about, like, don't attack people with language, mm. you know. Never mind, you know, in his darker cocaine years, he, <sighs> he called plenty of slow old women who drove cars really badly cunts. But, yeah. you know, <laughs> we'll skip that. Uh, but uh, I'd always look at him like, you know, mixed message, dad. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we had rules, you know, yeah. um, but it, my parents, uh, you know, during those crazy drug years uh, argued a lot. So there was a lot of horrible mm. language being thrown yeah. about towards each other and stuff. Yeah. So it was very a lot of mixed messages. 
Um, you know, his dad was always like, it's always the intention behind it. I'm thinking and watching them argue. I think the intention behind these words are to kill each other right oh, now. This isn't yeah, working, yeah, you yeah. know. So, yeah, yeah. but um, and I survived, you know. Yeah. So uh, I only swear in front of him when I've like hurt myself. <laughs> yeah, which is <laughs> like, fair. Fuck. Yeah, it's fair, you know. But it's interesting. He must be using it or hearing it at school because he uses all of, of the derivations of, of the words appropriately. <laughs> I mean, you know, fifth grade. Fucking, that's a yeah, yeah, ninth, yeah fourth yeah, or fifth grade. Yeah. yeah, he's almost you know he's in like, New York. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, starting middle school yeah. or whatever i mean even if he is in park slope or whatever <laughs> <laughs> even if he is a, a walden fucking kid or a your... i was a montessori child too i get it i get it give me my fucking quinoa <laughs> <laughs> give me my fucking quinoa and kale <laughs> oh it's such an interesting world <laughs> And look at that. We found a way to speak and we talk did. this whole time and not even bring up Mitch McConnell. Oh, thank God. Oh, my God. See, we don't. We don't have to talk about it. Don't you worry. So um, <laughs> so this will be on this weekend. Uh, where are you going to be? Where can we promote? Where are you going? I think everything's done. Everything's done. Um, are you taking the rest of the year off? No, no, no. Oh, so what you mean. I'm doing a bunch of Planned Parenthood thingies. Nice. places. I'm going to be in New York at Stage 72 on December 14th. Ooh. And just katiegoodman.com. I will... Uh, Always things that are happening things there. Things happening there. We're trying to get um, free YouTube uh, studio space. And if you have over 5,000 subscribers, yes. you get to use the Manhattan And it's right down studio. the hill here. Have you been? No, the, in Manhattan. Oh, there's a really the, the oh, facility good, good. here well, is amazing. Here it it's a mile away here. from here. It's very yeah, cool. Yeah, so please subscribe to me on YouTube. But you know what? It's not Katie Goodman, which is some random poor chick. Is it broad comedy? It is broad comedy. I tried to change it to Katie Goodman. I'm going to ask that girl if I can please. Because at the <laughs> moment, it's like, Katie waving to her grandma or something. I don't uh, even know if it's a little girl. I have to watch the video. It's like one video. Does she have yeah. like a million subscribers yeah, no, now? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, broad comedy. So subscribe broad to Katie's comedy. broad comedy so she can get some free YouTube studio <laughs> space. And check out uh, your videos. I had not seen the Tea Party video last night. Oh, and uh, holy shit. <laughs> fucking spot on. Oh, good. Every sentence of it is and you and soren are hysterical oh, in that good. hysterical mm-hmm. in it who directed that um ryan stumpy yeah it was really He's the guy who does all our stuff it was really yeah. really well di- really i just kept picturing you guys on the mall because they were in washington yeah. dc doing this with this megaphone <laughs> and soren shouting well, through it well it was really fun you know because we're also we have playback we're trying to lip sync right too. yeah 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 so it was a little bit quieter like soren at times would have the playback like tucked into his like you know, okay. Not boxers, but like somewhere where right. we could hear, hear it, it that yes. I wouldn't be like in my bra right. in one of them. But there's all these <laughs> Japanese tourists <laughs> filming us getting of filmed. Course. Oh my God. I wish I were there when they brought that home. Oh, yeah. Epic. Epic. <laughs> Nothing is better than getting to be in a Japanese right. tourist <laughs> video. My friend and I, Wendy, we went to Yosemite Valley. Our boyfriends, Bob, my husband at the time, and her boyfriend, Gary, they went off hiking up into the mountains for like a, a overnight hike. And Wendy and I are not fools. We went to the bed and breakfast. <laughs> And had bread pudding for dinner and things like that. But during the day, while they were off hiking, we took like the tram touristy ride in Yosemite Valley, which is great. You have like, we were like the youngest people by four decades on the tram. You have blankets and the guy's like, and this is El Capitan. So we pull over at one point during, you know, this beautiful meadow where there's, you know, 
El Capitan and and Half Dome and it's all you know it's Bridalville Falls right there and this huge bus of Japanese tourists shows up and they all get out and they all this is like in the mid 90s and they all get out with their recorders and everything like that and all people have gotten out of the tram and Wendy and I are in the tram we're just talking or whatever and there's these Japanese tourists taking pictures of us in the tram and I'm thinking you were in one of the most spectacular places right, on right, earth. Right, right, right. You're taking a picture of the white people. And you <laughs> a picture awesome. of the white girls in the tram. I just love it so That's much. Fun. I love their culture. I just suddenly got a huge um, slew of uh, Facebook friending from Indonesia. Oh, wow. <laughs> of like actual she's big artists. In, she's not big in Japan, but she's big in <laughs> no, Indonesia. No, no, no. But at first I was like, oh God, it's porn. It's because the word MILF, they look up that or I have a uh, song called I'm Saving My Hymen for Jesus. And they're like... <laughs> We really got a lot of like Middle Eastern. I'm sure it was from like clicking yeah. hymen, you know, right. like trying to learn. These. Right. And then I was like, oh, these poor women are trying. Oh, these guys. Anyway. Anyway, but so, but these are actual artists. So that's very exciting. <laughs> They're like real. You know, so maybe they'll bring you to in Indonesia. Oh, wouldn't that be fun? That would be oh, amazing. Yeah. That, that would be fantastic. <laughs> All right, darling, we're done here. Thank you so much. Thank you, my love. And have a great so show tonight. To be back. Thank Yay. you. Yay. And I want to thank you all for listening and uh, thank Logan for mixing the show and Will for sending it out to the world. And of course, Kevin Smith for hosting my podcast on Smodcast. And if you want to support this show, please go to my website, kellycarlin.com and hit Waking from the American Dream and hit the donate button and give us some cash so we can support this show and keep going and give you all the things you love. Well, maybe not everything. All right, we're going to go out with a little Katie Goodman here. Everyone, have a great fucking week. Well, we came down here to our nation's capital to share the Tea Party's ideas. I'm just so darn excited to get our message across. Schools! I'm funding that shit! Arse! I'm funding that shit! Social security. I'm funding that shit. Healthcare for poor women. What? Fuck them. Hurricane relief. I'm funding that shit. Job training. I'm funding that shit. Big Bird. I'm funding that shit. Medicare for your grandma. Hell no. That bitch gonna die soon anyway. What's it got to do with me? Me? Why you taking all? I'm already done with school, so why should I have to pay not my problem. for your child? I'm not your baby daddy. I'm not your baby daddy. It's not my child. It's like Jesus said, fuck other people. If a man's got no health insurance, do what? Let him Oh, fuck.
work science in the ass. What has science ever done for me just makes people live longer, so I have to pay for them to go sit on a beach and have a margarita while they get their chemotherapy? Fuck that. Old people can suck it. I don't want to hear about your need for social security, because I'm looking out for yours truly.